last 11 months, uh, as you guys know, um, we started on the 11th, I mean the 27th of, uh, of November of 2022 um, in our series on the book of Revelation. Um, and uh, we've spent that significant time in that, and, uh, and, and we've preached 40 messages. What an amazing thing. I mean, I'm thankful that the Lord's allowed us to do that. And man, I, I've grown in the Lord, um, but I believe He's truly helped us. And we've seen the high times, we've seen the low times, we've seen this, the, the ins and the outs of all the book. Uh, I mean, we went verse by verse through it. We've seen everything, pretty much is what I'm trying to say. And we've, we've, we've seen it all, and we've seen the times of peace, and we've seen the times of salvation, and we've seen the times of war. And we've seen God do a lot of things throughout the tribulation. And, and you know, He is going to do a lot of things throughout the tribulation. I, I believe that there's a lot of things that's going to happen throughout that time. But for the last month, we've been um, in a time where it was nothing but a whole lot of destruction, right? And uh, it, was, it was just a bunch of destruction as we saw in chapter 17, the book of Revelation, and then finished out Wednesday night on chapter 18. And it was just a lot of, um, of destruction as we seen the Lord um, destroy the religion of Babylon the Great in chapter 17 and then destroy the riches of Babylon the Great in chapter 18 and uh, all that commence and everything. But can I just say this this afternoon? Everything that has been placed in front of Christ will be destroyed. Everything that every God that has, as Brother Adam taught on this morning, every single God that has been placed in front of him will be destroyed. It's as simple as that. It will be destroyed, and God has worked it, and it's Babylonianism, is what it is. And it, it, it's something that has been stemmed from the beginning of time, from the war, uh, from the jealousy between Cain and Abel, all the way up to Nimrod trying to build his way, uh, um, old Nebuchadnezzar trying to build his statue of gold and doing that. It stemmed that way. And then the party of Belshazzar, and then we know that that night Cyrus come in and destroyed and diverted the waters. And you know of that. But um, the fact is, is it's, been a, it, it's been a pretty gory scene, I mean, to say the least. It's been a pretty gory scene over the last few months. But I, I, I just like to say it will come to pass, though. Don't you know that? It will come to pass. Whether you're here or whether you're not here, it's going to come to pass. I believe that even the people who don't believe in the rapture pre-trib, I believe they're still able to participate in the rapture pre-trib. Amen? They're still going to leave when we leave. Amen? That's what I'm trying to say. But those who are not born again will not, and I repeat, will not be leaving in the tribula- at, before the tribulation. And and if you you might not realize this, but like I've said before, is that this this could literally start tomorrow. There's nothing stopping this back from happening in the next seven years that your family will be experiencing, that your children could possibly be experiencing. It could be in the next few years that we that we won't see it as the church. The salvation of those who are saved will not see it. But those who are not saved could see this in the next few, uh, I mean, ten years, right? I mean, it could happen and it could be all over with in the next seven years. And if we'd fathom that, I think we'd get a whole lot more souls to Christ. I mean, let's be real about it. I believe we would, but, I, but, I, but I'm telling you is that everything we've seen here at Mount Valley have, and have we've seen in this book 
it is going to happen. It is going to happen. And now we've come to a part of this study that I feel, I felt like the Lord would give liberty to preach on a Sunday morning. And most people are most people are not going to some people might I don't personally, but most people aren't going to preach out of chapter 18 of the book of Revelation on Sunday morning. It's just not going to happen most of the time. But chapter 19 is a good book, amen? Chapter 19 is a good chapter. All of it's good. Don't get me wrong with that. Uh, And I believe I could, but I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to chapter 19 of the book of Revelation this afternoon. And we're going to just, I'm I'm going to give you the next thought in our series. And uh, we'll we'll let you go and we'll be out of here. Um, Lord willing in a short time and so I felt like the Lord would give liberty to do this and so Revelation chapter number 19 I've never preached it on a Sunday morning out of Revelation um, but that's just because we get used to things right and now oh, Wednesday night's Bible series so um, but nonetheless I, I think we ought to have a good time here in this morning um, chapter number 19 the book of Revelation verse 1 the Bible says and after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation, glory, and honor, and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments. For He had judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication as avenged the blood of her servants, His servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up and forever and for and ever. And the four twenty and elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, and of the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Amen. Amen. Good stuff right there, right? Let's pray and ask God to bless the reading of the word. Lord, we love you. We thank you. I ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, please give liberty. And do what only you can do this morning. Help us, God. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And so this chapter comes to a place um, where everything is not gory anymore, right? I mentioned this on Wednesday night. But things are all turning into a whole lot of glory, right? And a whole lot of good things are getting ready to take place. So from this point on, uh, it's all going to be good, right? And now, I know that there are some things I'm talking about dealing with the saints of God. Uh, um, there ain't going to be no more slaughtering. There ain't going to be any of that kind of stuff going on after this part uh, of the book. And so on um, the day we have all been waiting for, uh, um, now, uh, this is the beginning of of that day, if you will, when everything's just going to be great uh, and grand and glorious and we're going to have a good time in heaven, right? Uh, And and so I just want to give you an encouraging thought this afternoon uh, and let you know that one day all the troubles uh, you face will be over, right? Uh, All the trials that you face will be over. Uh, All the terror that you face in this life uh, will one day be over. Uh, and beloved it will be worth it after a while uh, yeah man it will be worth it after a while and in this text I'd like to key in uh, on one simple word that is stated four times uh, in this now I like to I'd like to look at that word uh, now understand that in all 1187 uh, 88 other chapters uh, in your King James Bible this word is not used uh, in all 65 of the rest of the books uh, um, that's in your King 
James Bible, uh, um, it is not used. Uh, there's 788,258 words in your King James Bible, uh, and only four times is this word used uh, in that Bible. So uh, 788,254 times uh, is not used at all. Uh, and that means it must be something that's heavenly language. Uh, because here we are in the first scene uh, in heaven when every single saint of God uh, is here. Every single saint of God maybe besides the very, very, very few that may live through the end uh, of uh, the, the, that and go directly into the millennium reign. Uh, um, that's speculation though, understand that. Uh, and, and so, but there is every saint of God uh, is gathered up around the throne of God uh, and they're saying, Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. And I tell you something, friend, this word... Uh, uh, reads uh, and, and means probably uh, what you think it means. Uh, it means praise ye the Lord. Uh, it means bless the Lord. Uh, and it's an excerpt, it's a, it's a, it's a ex- exclamation of adoration uh, as they're looking, as they're seeing God, uh, as they're seeing everything that He has promised us and we have looked forward to all along. Now, I mean, they're exclaiming and, and saying with a loud voice, uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey friend, I'm telling you, exclaiming, they're, they're exclaiming things like, look uh, at what God has done. Uh, uh, look where we are at this time. Uh, it is something to be, to be shouting about. Amen. There are four hallelujahs. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach this thought from glory a straight into glory. Amen. From glory a straight into glory. Uh, and there are four hallelujahs mentioned here uh, when the crowd in all of heaven uh, exclaims them for a reason. And I'm going to give you those uh, um, four. I want you to notice number one, there's an hallelujah of value in verse one. Uh, and after these things, uh, I heard a great voice of much people uh, in heaven saying hallelujah salvation, glory, honor, power unto the Lord uh, our God. Uh, and so here they are. Just imagine the scene, friend. Uh, now now, now, listen. Uh, if heaven cannot make anybody happy, then you'll never be happy. Uh, amen. It, 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 I, that's just the God's honest truth. If nobody can be happy about heaven, you'll never be happy about anything at all. Uh, and, and so here they are. And, it, and he, it, John starts this writing and he says, After these things... Uh, um, that, is, that implies that after I saw her uh, in Babylon and all the things of her riches and religion uh, and her rebellion, after I saw all those things destroyed, uh, I looked again uh, and I saw something different. Uh, I saw something good. And he says, praise the Lord. Uh, and here's a vast number uh, of people that are unnumbered, by the way. Uh, and just so you know, just a little tidbit, uh, um, on the only number in the book of Revelation that is is not a specified number. Uh, it's those who have been saved. Uh, that means the Calvinists don't know it. Uh, that means Christ does not know it. Uh, that means nobody knows it when it comes to the Word of God. Because uh, any man can be saved, right? And so it's an unnumbered multitude gathered around. Uh, and they're lifting their voices in praise to the Lord. Uh, and what in the world would, uh, what in the world would people who are in heaven uh, have anything to praise God for? Why in the world would they have anything to praise God for? 
I mean, really, what, what, what? I ask you this question uh, because if you're saved, you have the exact same reasons this afternoon uh, to praise God. The exact same. You will not gain a reason when you get to heaven. You will not. The only reason I can think of in my mind uh, is the simple fact that I won't be walking by faith but by sight. But, but right now, you have everything that you're ever going to have. You got as much Jesus as you're ever going to get. You got as much uh, spirit as you're ever going to get. Now, I understand we'll be in there and we'll be more like Him. Uh, but I understand all of those occasions. But when we look at this, uh, I ask you that question. We have that exact reason to praise Him. Uh, and some here, uh, if you read that verse right, uh, you'll see that some of those people that are in heaven uh, are saying, Glory, uh, hallelujah, uh, praise be the God of heaven. Uh, by the way, the Bible says, Everything that hath breath, praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. Uh, and so there's saying hallelujah there's this crowd over here that's saying that uh, and then uh, and then just notice this if you read that verse really good uh, you'll notice that there's the other ones the Methodist uh, um, that are over there and they got their arms crossed and they're just saying right no friend that's not what the verse is saying Every one of them in, in unity are praising the Lord. Uh, not, not one over here and one over here. Uh, and a woman over here because she's supposed to stay silent in church. Uh, and a man over here because he's supposed to be the shouter uh, in church. No, every one of them are shouting to the Lord. There's not one excluded. There's not one excluded. So let me just ask you one bold, quick question. What's your problem? Why are you not shouting? Why are you not shouting? If you're saved, why are you not shouting? It is an attribute that you are going to do one day. I wouldn't want to learn there. Man, I'd learn here. I mean, friend, I'm telling you something that this is them. They're all uh, uh, saying hallelujah. They're exclaiming uh, um, an adoration to the Lord. Uh, has he not been good to you in here? Now notice some reasons why they shout. Remember, uh, it's a shout, an hallelujah, a value, right? Uh, and what, what's so valuable? It's a valuable shout to them, uh, if you will. Uh, and so I believe the first reason he has is it's a value of their salvation. Now the Bible says, as we read the verse, it says saying, hallelujah, salvation, right? Sal salvation. So, so, so just think about it and look at the price that Christ paid for you. And tell me if it's not worth saying hallelujah about. Right? I mean, just think about it. Salvation, uh, beloved, is nothing but a gift to you. It's nothing but a gift to you. You can never merit it. Uh, you can never repay it. It was a gift. Uh, it is the gift of God. The Bible says that in Romans 6, 23. Uh, it is the gift of God for the wages of sin is death. Uh, but the gift of, of uh, the gift of God is eternal life uh, through Jesus Christ the Lord. Uh, and so, however, there's a shout going on here uh, in heaven for the redemption. Uh, not only of the redemption of mankind, uh, but the redemption of the earth. Uh, the redemption of everything. And here in just a few short verses, uh, we'll see that. But in every uh, everything that was originally uh, God's will be redeemed back to Him. Right? Everything. You might not be having a good time, but man, I feel good up here. Amen. And it don't always get this way. Amen. I, I'll say it like the preacher says it over here. I feel a real religious right now. 
And so I'm telling you something. Satan has had an influence on this world. He's the God of the world. He's the prince of the power of the air. Oh, but friend, God will redeem everything back to Himself. And they said, salvation. Hallelujah. Salvation. Praise the Lord. And I'm telling you, thank God for salvation this afternoon. If you're saved, you didn't get it because you were good, but you got it because He's good. He's good. Salvation is valuable. Salvation is valuable. It's a, it's a hallelujah, a value. And they said hallelujah for salvation. Then they go on and on. They say salvation, but they say and hallelujah, salvation and glory. And now when we look at this, not only are they valuing their salvation, but they're valuing their Savior. They're valuing their Savior. Now the word deals with splendor. The word deals with brightness and majesty. Um, The word glory there. And just look at how uh, much uh, God means to us there. Right? I understand we're not the only ones here, but look how much God means to us there. And I understand we're mentioned in verse 4, so don't get ahead of me. I understand that. But but uh, uh, here we are. All of this, I believe that verse one, two, three are, are a vision of everybody in heaven, because it doesn't name no groups. It doesn't say it's the Hispanics or the blacks or the whites or any of those. It, I believe it's an overall summary of everybody in heaven that's saying Hallelujah, and they're saying Hallelujah. Salvation and glory. They're saying thank you Jesus. Amen. um, They might as well be saying that. But the fact is they're dealing with splendor. uh, The brightness and the majesty. And just look at how much he means to us there. Look at what he's done for us. Where he's brought us from. He saved our soul uh, um, from the pits of hell. He defeated the devil. Delivered the dead uh, as we preached the other day. uh, And defended those who are drawn away. uh, And he did it all at Calvary. He did it all at Calvary. How much does He really mean to you, friend? How much does God really mean to you? Uh, Because I'll say this very boldly uh, and say this. uh, I believe God don't mean enough to some of you as you say He does. Because your life don't show it. Your attendance don't show it. Your love for Him don't show it. Your your dedication to Him don't, don't show it. Can I, must I go on? I mean, I'm just telling you that I, I'm not saying everybody in here. Uh, I believe that everybody in here loves God. I believe you love God. I believe all of you, if I were to say, are born again. I, if I were to say. But all I'm saying is that we have a God uh, um, that means a whole lot to us there. But why don't He mean that much to us now? Maybe He does. Maybe he does, uh, um, but to some he's just a cuss word uh, in this day and this hour. I mean, to some uh, uh, he's just another God in their huge vernacular of gods. Uh, um, to some he was just a good man. Uh, to some he was just a teacher. Uh, oh, but to me, friend, uh, oh, but to me, uh, he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother and a companion uh, and the King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, he's the bright morning star, uh, altogether lovely, the Redeemer. 
uh, of my soul, the Creator, the Almighty, the Alpha, um, the Omega, the First and the Last, the Mediator. Uh, um, must we go on? I mean, the Daysman, the Chief Cornerstone. Uh, he's the Good Shepherd, the Lamb of God, the Author and the Finisher of our faith. Uh, uh, hallelujah! He's the Word of God, the Rock. Uh, he's the High Tower. Uh, he is the True Vine, the Branch, the Bridegroom, uh, the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. Uh, friend, He is I Am. Uh, and He is the way, the truth, the life, the keeper of my soul. He is Christ and He is my Savior. He is valuable to me. He's valuable to me. Amen. The value, they say hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor. Not only are they there and saying, seeing the value of their salvation and of their Savior, but they're seeing the value of His seat. Now understand something, uh, Christ is on his seat, right? And he deserves honor, not only because of that seat, but that is one reason he deserves honor. One reason. Now let me just say something real quick. I don't really love the President of the United States, but I do respect him because of his seat. Right? I give him honor because of his seat. Right, the place that he's at. Well, here we are and we're giving honor to somebody. And we're giving honor. I, I just put this in here because here's the thing. Uh, all of heaven is giving credit where credit is due. And can I just tell you, beloved, he's worthy of our praise because of where he is and who he is. Amen. He will never be dethroned, uh, defeated, uh, um, destroyed. He will never be impeached, uh, imposed upon, uh, or in prison because He is there because of who He is. He's there, friend, uh, and it's always His seat. He always uh, will be. No one will ever be big enough to take Him off uh, of His seat. He'll stand unmoved, uh, unchallenged, uh, un uh, unchanged, uh, uncontested, and undefeated uh, uh, for all of eternities, unmatched, uh, unparalleled, uh, and He'll always be unsurpassed uh, because He is God, uh, and He deserves to be honored. He deserves to be honored. They said, hallelujah, for his salvation, uh, his power, and uh, uh, his honor, uh, and his glory, uh, and uh, power. So you know where I'm going, the value of his strength. Uh, it's a valuable praise that they're doing around the throne of God. Uh, it's not only a valuable praise because uh, they're valuing the salvation and the Savior in his seat, uh, but it's also because they're valuing his strength. Uh, as they're looking around the throne uh, and they see him... Uh, and by the way, we can look back in chapter 2. Uh, he was standing in the midst of the seven candlesticks, uh, which is the churches. Uh, but friend, right now he's in the midst of heaven uh, and he is altogether everything we've ever been looking for. Uh, if you ever looked for anything else, uh, old Brother Dean said yesterday talking to that young man, uh, as that young man was dealing with some things uh, and dealing with some drugs, he had needle tracks in his arm uh, and he was dealing with this and that uh, and he said that he had relapsed before and Brother Dean come up and Brother Dean knows from experience and Brother Dean come up and he said listen the only thing that's going to make you not relapse is Jesus 
that's the only one that's going to make you not relapse. Uh, he said, I tried it and relapsed, what he said, four or five times. Uh, he said, but when I got Jesus and Jesus got on me, uh, I didn't have to worry about going back to those drugs uh, because he was all I needed. Uh, I didn't have to worry about going back to those bars uh, because he was all that I needed. Uh, and friend, when we gather up around the throne of God uh, and see uh, the, the, the salvation of God uh, and the seed of God uh, and the Savior there standing in the middle uh, as every man is standing around uh, we're going to look at him and say man he was strong enough to get us here hallelujah he's strong enough for anything else his strength is strength uh, and can I just tell you we serve a powerful powerful God from the beginning uh, for mankind Uh, God has overcome so much I mean, we can think back and find that he overcame uh, um, the fallen uh, in Genesis chapter 3 when it comes to a promise. He promised that from the seed of woman, they would come a Savior. From the seed of woman, and he'll bruise the head of you and you'll bruise his heel. He promised a Savior from the seed of woman. Uh, He said, you may have fallen, but I got a promise. And he kept that promise. He overcame sin by doing that. He overcame sin. He overcame the fallen with a promise. He overcame the flood with a promise. Right? And Noah and his family, and he gave them a promise that he wouldn't destroy the earth again, but he gave them a promise, earlier prophecy. Let's go with a P. We're doing P's. So he gave them the prophecy and said, so long, you better build this boat because there's a flood coming. As Brother Randy Bain says, the same banjo string was preached for, a hundred, for over a hundred years uh, as he said, it's going to rain. Going to rain, going to rain, going to rain. That's how Brother Randy Bain says it. And I tell you what, God gave them that promise. And guess what it did? It rained. But thank God, one family was saved from I'm just telling you something. He uh, was able to overcome that with prophecy that he already gave his man. I'm reminded of Joseph uh, over there in Potiphar's house as he'd served for two years in Potiphar's house. Uh, but he was able to overcome not only the fallen and the flood uh, with promises and prophecy, uh, but he was able to, co- able to overcome uh, the fornicator with prudence. He raised Joseph right. And Joseph made up his mind that he was going to serve God. He's over to overcome it. He, 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 in his strength, he gave prudence to him. Uh, wisdom to overcome that obstacle that was in his way. Uh, uh, friend, we can look down and find that Israel uh, was needing some help. Uh, and he was able to become their, to overcome their fear of starvation with provision. Right? He said, I'll just send manna down from heaven. I'll send angels food down from heaven. um, Psalm 58. I'll send angels, 68. I'll send angels food down. You've heard me explain that before, but I'll never understand why it's angels food. I mean, maybe maybe they cooked up breakfast every morning and God said, throw it out the windows. He said, ain't no windows in heaven. Malachi said there's windows in heaven. So I, but I don't know how, what that is. But I'll just tell you this is that just throw it out. God, God, have you heard them murmuring and grappling about you down there? Hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not providing for them because 
I'm not providing for them because they're good. I'm providing for them because I'm good. And I could see God saying something like that. I'm just telling you something, friend. If God was able to overcome uh, um, the fallen and the flood uh, and the fornicator, uh, and He was able to overcome the fear, uh, but He was, we can look down even farther and find He was able to overcome a fire. And the he, for the Hebrews, He was able to come, overcome that fire with His power because the form of the fourth man was like the Son of God. He was like the Son of God. And so he was able to do that with his strength. Uh, hey, the Hebrews believed it. Why don't we? I mean, they were the only ones standing. Am I right, preacher? They were the only ones standing. They were the only ones not willing to bow to that big old God. And they said, I ain't bowing to that God uh, because our God, He is able to deliver us uh, from the fiery furnace. Uh, but if not, it's okay. I'm just telling you something, friend. Uh, we're talking about His strength here. And we got a God in heaven that we seem to limit. Uh, he, he's never changed. He was the same God that was able to deliver and overcome the fallen sins of mankind, uh, um, the flood of Noah, the flood in Noah's day, uh, um, the fear of Israel, uh, um, the fornication, uh, um, that 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 uh, Pharaoh's wife uh, or Potiphar's wife rather, uh, and the fire. What has he changed? Uh, because we can look on down a little farther uh, and find uh, um, that there was that same exact God that was able to do all those things uh, um, that looked down uh, and. Sent his only begotten son to die on the cross. And after the cross, he overcame sin, death, hell, the devil, and everything else for you. What is he not able to overcome in history? Friend, nothing. For there's nothing impossible for God. There's nothing impossible. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. There's nothing impossible. Uh, Isaiah chapter number 5, I think verse 20, I don't know. I'm just thinking about a verse. Uh, What did I say, Isaiah? I think it's actually chapter, I think it's Jeremiah. Um, Somewhere in Jeremiah, I promise you, it says that nothing is impossible with God, but it doesn't say those exact words. I can't remember what it says, but it's in there, and you'll just have to find it. And so I'm telling you something here is that we have a God that is, that He is valuable. And when they're around the throne, when all of us are around the throne of God, we can look and say He's valuable. But what if He were to look at us and say the same exact things that we say to Him, say to people today? And the same exact. What if He were to look through the lens of the same lens that we look through people today and say, "Oh, they're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites." What if He were to say that? Now you answer this question for me: Would He be lying? Would he be lying or is he actually that valuable to you today? I'm just telling you something this afternoon, friend, uh, is that we got a God in heaven uh, that ought to be the most valuable thing in your life. Not thing, but person in your life. He ought to be more valuable as we heard the preacher, uh, or (laughs) the preacher, Brother Adam say this morning, listen, anything above him is your God. I don't care if it's your success, your career, your work, or anything. I had a man say to me, uh, say not to me, but behind my back, I was told the other day, uh, he mentioned this. Uh, he said he's just too worried about his preaching career. Am I right or am I right? I said, this is exactly what I responded by. I'm not worried about my preaching career. I'm worried about my preaching calling. 
Because it's a calling from God. And I don't have to stand in front of that person. I have to stand in front of Him. And I'm telling you something is that if He's valuable to you, uh, why don't you treat Him like He's valuable to you? He's not a pawn in your hand. You're a pawn in His half the time. But I don't necessarily believe that either. But I'm just telling you something. Is that you're not, He's not a puppet on your string. He's not something. God's helping me right now. Listen, I, I, I'm not preaching my notes. I'm just telling you uh, that we're not something. He's not something to us that we can do with what we want to do with and then leave Him in the closet. He's not a shoe that you can put on and never wear for two years anymore. That's not who He is. He better be valuable to you. And you better treat Him as He's valuable to you. Because you know what? You were valuable to Him. The Bible says in Malachi chapter number 4 or 3 and it deals with uh, gathering. Brother Mark Wheeler sings a song about gathering up, our, up his jewels one day. You were a jewel to Him, friend. You were a jewel uh, for Him to send down His Son to die for you. He got rid of the relationship he had, the direct relationship he had with his only son to send down. And I promise you something. I ain't putting those two boys at y'all's hands. And I love you all. Y'all know that I love you. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to sacrifice my boys for y'all. Because I love them. Not necessarily love them more, but I do, I guess. I don't know. I love them like a father loves their son. But God loved him as his father loved his son. I'm just telling you something, friend, is that when we fathom the very goodness of God and how much he has done for us, he would be more valuable to us. I can't get off this point, preacher. He would be more valuable to us. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, it was for the joy that was set before him. What joy? Well, I guess the praising from the angels that he created wasn't good enough. And he wanted yours. Think about it. There's a lot that we could look into that, but it was joy for God to send his son down here to die for you. Man, he ought to be valuable to us. We see very clearly there in that verse, Lord, help. Man, we see an hallelujah of value. A value. Man, that's the first point. Lord, help. I don't know how long I've been preaching, but I know it's been over 30 minutes. Listen to me. Hallelujah. A value. I'll be quick. I'm going to try to be quick. Secondly, second verse we see. Um, for true and righteous are his judgment. For he has judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with his fornicate, her fornication. Hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. Not only is there the Hallelujah of value, but there's an Hallelujah of vengeance. Because here they are, and he's a, he's a loving God, and we know that. But no doubt, uh, he is a God of judgment. Notice he, and notice he is being praised for his vengeance here. Now we understand the things that are going on, but he took vengeance on her deception. Now notice the verse. Uh, it says, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication. Uh, and so he, she corrupted the earth. And we understand in earlier passages, she deceived the earth. She's working under, she's a pawn, literally. She's a pawn in the hand of the Antichrist, who is a pawn in the hand, uh, P-A-W-N, in the hand of Satan. Right? 
And, and so here she is, and he, she's deceived the whole world. Satan has deceived the whole world. You look at chapter 12, verse 9 of the book of Revelation, it tells us he deceived the whole world. You look at verse chapter 20, and someone down on there, he deceived the whole world. Verse 10 in chapter 20, I believe it is. He deceived the whole world. And we know that. We know that from the beginning of a time he deceived the world. But he took vengeance. God has taken, he's vindicating all of the deception that she's ever done. We know that he took vengeance on the idolatrous, uh, the idolatrous religion that she had in Revelation chapter 17. I'm not going to get into all of it. We just went through it. In the idolatrous religion that she had uh, in her idolatrous rebellion uh, and in her idolatrous re- riches and all those things. Uh, he took vengeance on that. And then he took vengeance on her deception. He took vengeance on her drunkenness. Now notice in verse 2 the Bible says, For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hands. Chapter 17 verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her I wondered with great admiration. John looked and he said, I wondered at great admiration. Maybe John was thinking about young John. Laying on the bosom of Jesus. And he said, who would want to choose her over him? Well, I'm telling you something. She's described to be drunken in that verse, right? So can I just tell you, friends, from the jealousy of Cain uh, towards Abel to the hatred of Jezebel and the prophets uh, um, to Herod and Pilate hating Jesus and those uh, who executed the apostles for the countless early Christians uh, who perished under the gang of Rome uh, and all of those things to those who died in the persecutions uh, of all the dark ages. I've read books uh, to those who are murdered today at the hands uh, of extremists uh, and to all those who would be martyred during the tribulation. Uh, All of this death and suffering will be laid to her account. To her account. And God judges this harlot for the death that she has caused and the pleasure that has brought her. Now friend, it it has happened time and time again, you know that. It's happened time and time again. Christians have been slaughtered for centuries. God has at this point put an end to it. done. We know millions will die as the harlot takes this drunken binge upon herself. I believe that millions will die. But we know that millions, thousands and millions have died in centuries past. I mean, for the, from the uh, and, and <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest, preacher. I mean, a lot of it can be credited to Rome. We understand that it can. Listen, I've been to Europe. I've seen it firsthand. But, but we, we can look back at history and see that the Paulicans of the, of the 7th century held the, the view of sola scripture. And by the way, I just want to proclaim it. I hold the Bible of sola scripture. Bible or nothing. It's all Bible. If it don't say it, then it's not right. And if it does say it, it's right. Like it, lump it, it doesn't matter. And so I'm telling you is that that day, uh, the Roman church, they held that view. The Roman church of 690 A.D. killed more than 100,000 of them. We can look at the Albanese from Albi, France and refu- who, who refused to baptize their babies and believed in salvation through faith. Well, the Roman church liked like to thank them by killing 40,000 of them. And then we can look at the Waldenese of the 12th century uh, were killed by the Roman church refusing to bow uh, to the popes and priests. Uh, listen, it's Bloody Mary at best. Listen, I don't stand for the Catholic church, never will, never have, never going to. 
And I'll say it and I'll say it again, a Catholic will not be in heaven. You say, preacher, now that's mean, preacher. There'll be all kinds, I've heard it over my life. I've heard people testify that I'm thankful that there'll be Catholics and everything in heaven. No, they won't be. If you hold to the doctrine of Catholicism, you'll never go to heaven because you don't believe in salvation. Through faith, you don't believe in Christ so as the Savior. You don't believe in any of that. Am I right or am I wrong? I mean, I'm just telling you, is that that's what I believe. And I'm just telling you, in history, England, France, Spain, and all of Europe is stained with the blood of Christians killed by the Catholic Church. And all because they stood for right. But God's going to vindicate their blood. God's going to vindicate their blood. Uh, and the, everybody, all of heaven is proclaiming uh, an exclamation of adoration and saying, Thank you, Jesus, uh, for your vengeance upon those who killed our brethren. Oh, man, Frank, can I just tell you, keep standing vengeance of the Lord. Hey, Romans tells us it is, uh, and it's going to be his, and he's going to take care of it. He took vengeance on her drunkenness and on her deception and on her destiny. Look at verse 3. I'm almost done. I, I promise. Uh, it says, uh, well, I turned, the, I, turned the, I turned the page. I shouldn't have done that. Well, the Bible says, and again, they said, hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. Now, does anybody know what forever and ever means? It means always. Amen. It'd be forever. Everything that was ever put before him is now done away with. And I say hallelujah. The Babylonian system of religion is riches is forever put away, never to be established again, and all of heaven proclaims hallelujah. The hallelujah of value and vengeance, hallelujah of victory. Verse 4 and 5, got to hurry in the 4 and 20 elders. Four beasts fell down, worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. It almost seems like, you know, I read this back in chapter 11 as well. Uh, every time the 4 and 20 elders come about, they're just like, Amen, Hallelujah. That's kind of how they are. It's like they don't know how to react besides saying, hey, Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. That's all, that, that, that's all I know how to say. I don't know what else to do. That's how we ought to be in the awe. We ought to be in awe of God. Awe, A-W-E. We ought to be in absolute adoration looking at Him and who He is. And if you take a look back at the book of Revelation, we know these 24 elders who are mentioned show up six times. Uh, um, chapter 4, uh, verse 10. Chapter 5, verse 8. Four, 5, verse 14. 7, 11. 11, 16. 19, 4. And every time they do, they're doing the same thing. They're falling on their faces and worshiping the Lord. And just to let you in on a little secret, we understand that those 24 elders are you and I. And they represent us. Well, why are they praising the Lord so much? Because in heaven, uh, they're finally free uh, from all the limitations of the flesh. Uh, and they can see God as He really is. Hey Amen. They're, they're no longer afraid. They're no longer ashamed. Uh, everybody likes to proclaim, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ till I sit in church, is what the rest of that verse should say. I'm telling you, friend, is that, but now they're ready, they're willing, they're able to fall down before the Lamb of God uh, and shout His praises. Uh, and beloved, I tell you, if it ever dawned on us the reality of what God has done for us uh, and all that we have in Him, uh, I'm telling you, there wouldn't be a saved person in this place uh, who wouldn't shout him, her, him or herself hoarse. If it really dawned on us. An hallelujah of victory, vengeance, and value. 
There's an hallelujah of voices. Verse 6, the Bible says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of great multitude, as the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reign. Now, can I just tell you just real quick, uh, is that I believe these multitude of voices, I believe these voices are very clear to be everybody in heaven. And those voices shout, Hallelujah. Why? He's supreme. They said, Lord God, hallelujah for the Lord God. That's just who he is, you know that? He's supreme, nobody like him. I mean, he stood on nothing and created everything. I mean, from the sun, the stars, the birds, the trees, every, even little you and me, uh, everything he created, and he's supreme. He's supreme, and I, I say all that to just simply let you know that the same God, uh, um, that the same God that creates the world deals with the world today, uh, and He cannot do anything. He can, he can do what He wants to do. It's the truth. He's all-powerful, friend. He's the creator, the carpenter, the controller. I mean, He's the conductor, the completer of everything that exists. And that's the God that you and I serve here this afternoon. I mean, He cannot be measured in weight uh, and grams and stones and pounds. He cannot be measured in inches, feet, mileage, or meters. None of those things can He be measured in. He cannot be measured in time, second, minutes, days, hours, weeks, months, or years. He cannot be measured with a rail, radar, ruler, telescope. If you uh, He can not be because why he's supreme the God of Babylonians they were nothing but they could be measured but man the God of the Hebrews couldn't aren't you glad we got a God who's supreme amen he's supreme he's above all else nobody like him the Bible says he's Lord God omnipotent not only is he supreme but he's sufficient can I just tell you he's unlimited power Only one who limits his power is him. Amen. Nobody can take him. He's omnipotent. I'll be done. He's supreme, sufficient. Then it says not only that, Lord God, omnipotent, reigneth. He's superior. He's superior. Nobody's above him. Amen. Nobody's above him. Now, now I'm reminded. I'm reminded. In chapter number 13... Verse number 4, the Bible says, And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Well, I feel like this says it all. When everybody's around heaven and says, He reigns. He reigns. I mean, he's much more, he, he's much more than, 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 than the beast. They might, they might have thought that they had something in him. But friend, you won't have nothing until you have Jesus. He's about to make war. And he's about to win. Amen. He's about to make war. First, there's going to be a wedding. Then there's going to be a war. And then there's going to be a win. And then time, as you know it, is non-existent. What a glorious day. Friend, it was gory. It was a whole lot of glory, but thank God it's glory now. And I'm telling you, I'm ready for this day. I'll be around the throne of God. Just imagine the praise that's going to happen there. 
But I just wanted you to know right here is that you need to value him more. I need to value him more. We need to take residence of the value of God in your lives and look at it and say, listen, he's, he's everything I could ever long for and so much more. I can't fathom his love. I can't fathom any of those things that he has done for me. His salvation, I cannot fathom it. I can't. But everything I could ask for, he's given me all that and much more. He reigns. Whatever you need, that's what he's going to be. What he's going to be. Aren't you glad that one day to be all glory? After all, all glory. Amen. Thank you for listening. I know I preached a little longer than I said I was going to. That's why I tried to keep my mouth shut. You stand to your feet. We're done. We're at liberty. And uh, well, I'll pray first. We'll, then we'll be at liberty to go. And thank you so much for coming this afternoon. And uh, listen, you just take, take that inventory of your life. And really ask yourself, how much is he a value to me? Is he just a value on the weekends? Is he just a value in the mornings? Or is he a value in the evening? Is he just a value in the hard times? Or is he a value when everything's going great? Is he a value then too? Because a lot of times he's not as much a value when we're on the hilltop as he is in the valley. It's the truth, ain't it? One day, we're going to look at him and we're going to see how valuable he really is to us. And it'll be all different there. Preacher, you close for us, please.